Hello, Sarah. Hi, Julie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to meet with me and to talk to me today about um, eating disorders. And as uh, the listeners will uh, may or may not know, you and I are facilitating an, a virtual eating disorder coaching group for caregivers related to disordered eating and eating disorders. And um, I wanted to use this medium podcasting to be able to uh, reach a broader audience and provide some more in-depth discussion around eating disorders. And um, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, Today's podcast is a part of a series where Sarah and I will be discussing for listeners highlights of, uh, as mentioned, the Virtual Eating Disorder Caregiver Coaching Group. We want to showcase our group and help bridge what might feel scary, reaching out for help about something that can be very difficult in your family dynamic. And at times, maybe even uh, maybe you even feel powerless as a caregiver of a child or youth who is struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating. And I think that for podcast listeners, I can even add to that. And maybe they're listening as someone who's struggling with some of these um, symptoms themselves. And so, um, Sarah, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and the work that you've been doing. Sure, absolutely. Um, So I've been working with uh, youth, adolescents, and their families who are struggling with an eating disorder since 2010, Um, so eight years now. And um, I've been working as a registered nurse in an inpatient and outpatient program in a hospital. And um, so I've done that. And then I decided to go back and complete my master's of counseling psychology. Um, And I did that because I wanted to, like I saw the need for support for these families and youth who are struggling and I wanted to do some more preventative work. So I back, did my master's and now I'm a registered psychotherapist. And I still continue um, working as a registered nurse as well. And so that's, it's been my passion and I kind of stumbled into this field of work um, and then realized just how um, how much I enjoyed really helping these these families and these kids. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Now I've, I am working, like I said, as a nurse and also a, a therapist. And I have my own practice, um, which you can, if you anyone wants to check out, it's www.sarahterwilliger.com. And I think the link will be somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll be posting it somewhere. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so that's just a little bit about my background. Yeah. And you actually said something really interesting because I can relate to it too, Sarah. And I just want to chat about that uh, just super quick. Uh, you talked about how you sought out some additional training more so as a therapist. Um, through your nursing work and you spoke about the preventative you wanted to do more preventative work and for me I resonated with that because I myself have also worked in the inpatient uh, and outpatient programs in hospital and was doing private practice at the same time and very much saw how there was such a key step that 
I could make a difference early, early on in that process, which was a parent maybe starting to notice, or again, as an individual, noticing that there are certain things that are starting to either happen in and around food consumption, nutrition, but also, um, you know, body image and those sorts of things. And so can you just talk to me a little bit more about that preventative piece that you picked up on that you that resonated with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you when youth and families are seeking care in a hospital setting, it's usually because um, the eating disorder has, you know, gotten to a place where it's so strong that the the youth need either inpatient help or outpatient help. And and what that looks like is maybe staying in hospital for weeks, months on end, or coming into a day treatment program. And so for me, you know, there are so much, there's so much time that before those youth would have gotten to that stage Mm -hmm. where, and I guess that's the preventative piece is that where that, if they had sought help or had supports um, before that, time then maybe they would have prevented being a you know having to go to the hospital mm-hmm. to you know be there for weeks or months um you know mm-hmm. in order to get better so that's the piece that I, like when i refer to preventative i mean kind of preventing the illness from getting to a place where you know you really need um support around the clock mm-hmm. yeah and i guess um We'll jump right into, Sarah, uh, the Virtual Eating Disorder Caregiving Group. We, You and I talked about it, and we designed that it's a fee-based service, meaning um, there is a fee required to join that group. But what we decided to do and what was really important was, I feel like somewhat of a um, preventative piece as well, is offer the fee or for families and caregivers to pay one fee, regardless of how many family members were attending the virtual group. And that could be a stepmom, a stepdad, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, you know, a favorite aunt, uh, just other people, other uh, trusting adults involved in the life of the child or youth to join the group. Um, And I sort of see that as a bit of the preventative nature piece of it as well, right? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think the the group in its entirety, you know, was created to to support that preventative piece. Like we want to create a resource for families to help them support their child through such a difficult time or through what may be in the, the beginning stages of disordered eating, whatever their needs may be. And, and I think we, we kind of came together on that preventative piece and what can we do and how can we reach people so that we can support them, even from the comfort of their own home and mm-hmm. have to leave or they can be in multiple places. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's one of the that's one of my favorite pieces about the group is that, you know, we're charging one fee and multiple family members can be involved. And actually, we highly recommend that if mm-hmm. there's you know, five adults, you know, as two step parents and the parents and then a, a grandmother or grandfather that's involved, they can all come in, learn all of the same material, all of the same supports, resources, what to do, what to say, and then they can all be on the same page and you're all getting that together. Um, 
you, you, I think would promote some more understanding. So then go and apply it. Um, and then what I was saying before is too, like, uh, creating more support for each other. So you all kind of have the same right. understanding, same knowledge, and then you can come together and support each other. Um, you know, if, if someone is having a harder time, um, supporting the youth than someone else. Yeah. Oh, that's such a big, big part of it, isn't it? Because it's, it's mental illness. And so it's so complex and it can really trigger and affect others in the family in different ways that can really disconnect families. And so, you know, being able to have something like our group to come together and to gain some, uh, some skills, some new awareness, some ideas about where to go in your community for help, um, I think is so much like so beneficial for the individual that's in that that dynamic that um, that can be so challenging and so difficult. Um, okay, so one of the very first um, things that we're going to talk about in our uh, group with uh, the caregivers is something that I wanted to touch on uh, today because I think it's relevant and really interesting. So there's a lot of stuff in the media about uh, supermodels and uh, Barbie and uh, all of these unrealistic De, like uh, body image ideas and how uh, people are accessing this, you know, photoshopped material and trying to kind of figure out how to look this way and, you know, change their DNA in a sense, because we all have unique, such unique bodies and it's based on, um, it's not based on anything other than just it's really truly who we are and so I wondered if we could talk a little bit about maybe um, stigma or maybe more that idea of the like societal views or norms or influences in media yeah I think you know just like you said there's a lot we here in North America um, there's a huge focus on the media on uh, celebrities and um, as we all know, there's a lot of photoshopping that happens in magazines and online. Um, and I think one of the biggest pieces to that puzzle right now is social media. I think that's brought in a huge and new dynamic um, where, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, all these different types, Twitter, all these different types of social media, now it's creating this added comparative nature that's happening I think more frequently and because of that I think it's leading to a lot of like I said comparisons so looking at what others have and and also it's mm -hmm. a place where photos are posted and and photoshopped and it I think it just leads to a set of norms that may not be mm -hmm. realistic and Within our society, I think that in itself, we need to look at how that affects our youth, how that affects us as adults, how it's, a, you know, our language around those things. Um, and I think that kind of all ties into stigma, like societal views, what is our norm? It's, it's almost like we've lost sight of what the norm is, in yeah. a way. Yeah, and how that's impacting others. So how, you know, how is that impacting our youth when, you know, we use language around dieting and calories? Mm -hmm. And and now, I, I'm not sure if it, this is Canada-wide, but, 
here in Ontario, how calories are now displayed um, on restaurants. Oh, yes. That's a new law that just came down. Yeah. And so how does that impact our youth? And what messages are we sending to them through through that? So I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot like our society can affect our youth and it can affect us as adults as well. And I think just increasing that awareness of how, how things that are, are in our everyday life can lead to body image disturbances, how it can affect, you know, a negative body image, a negative, you know, self-esteem, sense of self. And so, I think that when we think about eating disorders or when we look at eating disorders and disordered eating, we also need to look at our stigma in our society. What is our norms and how are those affecting mm-hmm. um, others? Yeah. And you were talking about social media and how that is a big impact. And I think one of the, for me growing up, I could just turn the television off or I didn't have to pick up that magazine, but with social media and smartphones, we have access to stuff 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, um, you know, those, you know, emotions come and go. And so maybe on a day where we're feeling a bit more emotional or there's some sadness there and you talk about that comparative nature and how looking at what others have posted on their photos and, um, comparing it to yourself and, you know, that sad mood. And then that sort of makes you not feel good about yourself. And, um, for some people it can, it can trigger, it can trigger something that could lead to an eating disorder and disordered eating, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it, I think it affects us more than maybe we, we pay attention to it. I think it's really common in our, you know, it's a common social norm to compliment someone when mm-hmm. they've lost weight. So how mm-hmm. can that be perceived? You know, reflecting on your own behaviors and and how you are portraying yourself outward to others, um, because we all can influence each other. So like something as simple as saying to someone, oh, you look great. Have you lost weight? That in itself is sending a message that you look good when you lost weight, you know? Yeah. And you don't look good when you were, when you were heavier or whatever. Right. Putting mm-hmm. a lot of um, emphasis on weight loss. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of that, a lot of talk about diets, a lot of talk about, um, oh, I need to lose weight. Oh, I should lose weight a lot. It's very normal in our society to, to have those conversations. Um, but I think reflecting on that, of how that's impacting others. What message does that send to a youth who's, you know, her, her, his body is changing, they're growing and developing. And what does that say to them? Um, So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, paying attention to that and, and also kind of applying that to what you portray outward that, um, Mm -hmm. that can, it can definitely lead to eating disorders and, or eating issues. Um, Mm -hmm we don't know what the cause of an eating disorder is, you know, there's genetics at play, but also there's, there are influences in our society. And, and I think it's important to pay attention to, to how, how we're sending messages to our youth. 
And it's almost like it's a perfect storm of things that has to come together to create something that would be that patient that we would be working with in hospital. Because like you were saying earlier, we were talking about prevention, but on the other side of that, a full-blown diagnosed eating disorder where someone is medically compromised um, I just want to, I guess, as we're talking, I'm realizing I want to put it out there to listeners that that's not the expected outcome or, you know, if someone's asking about your weight, it's not that, and you're not saying this, Sarah, but I just want to clarify, it's not that that is going to lead to a, an eating disorder. It really is that perfect storm of many different things, like you said, genetics, and then, um, you know, there's the influences, there's also... Um, the own like the individual's personality there's there's so many different things that come into play for for someone who's diagnosed with an eating disorder and so just understanding that piece how we as individuals what can we do you know maybe you're listening to this podcast and you don't know someone that's struggling with an eating disorder but in reflecting on how you are portraying yourself to others like you said um, that's really important because we just want to be mindful of the fact that we're, you know, when we're saying, oh, you look great, you've lost weight, we're really sending, like you said, that message of, but, you know, did I not look great, you know, when I was 10 pounds heavier? And so I guess something else that I'm curious about is there's a lot of misguided and misinformation communicated in the media as well. And well, even just social media and having access to information that will, I think it was just last week. I don't know if it was, it was one of the big stores, Walmart, I think it was, was deciding not to, they're not going to have the Cosmopolitan magazine right at their cash registers anymore. Uh, So they're going to still sell them, but they're not going to have them right there because there's a lot of some would say provocative images. There's a lot of provocative titles to get you to buy the magazine. And I wondered if you could speak a little bit about some of the misinformation or misguided stuff that's out there that you're aware of. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. I, I wasn't aware of that. I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I just want to touch on what you said before, um, just briefly, because you're right. And I don't, you know, I, I don't want to convey that message um, of, you know, these things lead to, you know, blank. Mm -hmm. I think it, you know, when we look and think about disordered eating, eating disorders, we can look at, I think looking at things on a spectrum, you know, where do those, where does that start? And, you know, I go to, I think about uh, body image, self-esteem and a sense of yourself. And, and those are kind of, for me, not necessarily what we're portraying outward to others, because I did say that, but I think it's also important of what we're portraying to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Others, obviously, you know, what message are you sending to your youth that's in your life? Of course, I think that that's also important. But, you know, what message is that sending to yourself? You know, if you're not accept- accepting of your own body mm-hmm. weight or the food choices that you are making and Um, So I think that there's that component as well. To me, I think a good sense of of body image um, and self-esteem are are very important in this spectrum of disordered eating, eating disorders. 
So I just wanted to touch on that because I do think it's really important, like what yeah. we what we think of ourselves. Yeah, I know that's a yeah. And to touch on your other question about um, kind of messages that we see that may be misleading, I think it goes back to how how frequent in our media there's discussion on weight loss, and you know just even thinking about the checkout counter with all the magazines, you know, how many of those magazines on the cover talk about weight loss? I, I don't know this statistic, but I could say, you know, just from my own experience walking by, I would say a lot of them do. And mm-hmm. what message is that sending mm-hmm. that we need to diet? It, you know, dieting is part of our life, but, you know, health, where's, where's more of the message of healthy eating and, you know, foods right. fit and, we, you know, eating a balanced diet and there's less of that message being sent and more of this and the industry of, yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good example of, of how things are misleading. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because um, a couple of weeks ago in the States, uh, Weight Watchers was initiating a program targeting teens And, you know, when you talk about healthy eating or nutrition, when the name of the business advertising is Weight Watchers, that in and of itself is just so aligned with exactly what you were saying. It's not focusing on healthy eating as much as it is in in that program is losing weight and watching your weight. And, um, you know, there's others who could argue there, okay, well, we have an obesity problem. Okay, that's, you know, we're not saying that there isn't an issue in, you know, finding solutions to that. But the, like you said, there's a spectrum. And so focusing only on losing weight and and watching weight, especially for a developing teen that, you know, their adolescent years, that's their identity phase, their identity development phase. And so if you're going to isolate and focus on losing weight, what does that do for their social emotional development? And so it's just a really delicate really especially because we're talking about kids and teens but it's a really delicate place to you know to be having access to that information for for our young people and yeah absolutely so I think Sarah our plan is just as we get ready to wrap things up for today um, our plan is to meet again a couple times and have a series for this podcast as earlier mentioned Um, And we're going to talk about some other things that are included in the virtual eating disorder caregiver coaching group. So today we kind of touched on stigma and societal views, some norms, influences. We talked a little bit about that concept of healthy eating versus dieting. Um, I really like how you differentiated that, how you are portraying yourself to others, but also portraying to ourselves, you know, that, you know, who we are to ourselves and celebrating ourselves and realizing that that's a big piece of it as well. Um, And so do you want to talk a little bit, Sarah, about some of the other topics that we have planned for, um, for the other discussions? Yeah. So one of them is, you know, diagnosis, like diagnosed eating disorders and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, eating disorders, like maybe just disordered eating. So kind of differentiating Mm -hmm. between what the differences are. Um, understanding the eating disorder that's for me one of the biggest pieces to the puzzle I think it's one of the most important Um, so uh, really understanding it so not understanding the diet you know the 
you know, what the definition is and what a diagnosis warrants, but really understanding what's behind it. Then there's the other topic of symptoms and how to recognize them. I think so symptoms in itself can be one of those language, you know, that kind of special language really mm-hmm. that you had mentioned earlier. And mm-hmm. Symptoms just are a, a symptom or a behavior that the eating disorder is kind of driving. And so mm-hmm. we're going to kind of unpack and, and talk about them and parents, I think, you know, what can you do? So absolutely coming from a family-based therapy model, parents are not to blame for eating disorders, but there are little things that you can do um, that may help your child or loved one. And, and I shouldn't just say parents that, you know, uh, caregivers as well. And that's why we named the group a caregiver coaching group, because um, there's often so many people involved in the care of a, a young one. So um, yeah, that's, that's another one. Um, part of that is setting boundaries. Um, and I think we'll probably extend that into two weeks. And then for the last two, so we have a six week plus two boosters. Those are going to be tailored to the needs of uh, the individuals in the group so that really best mm-hmm. support you um, and mm-hmm. what you're going through at that time. So there'll be two other topics that'll be specific to whatever the needs of the group are. Yeah, the unique things that come up for the group. And um, just in talking about symptoms there, you know, it's interesting as a parent, if your child has a fever, you respond to that. And so when we speak about eating disorders, understanding what we're looking for, because it might not necessarily be as overt or as recognized as something like a fever. Yeah, right? absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sarah, it's been great chatting with you today, and I look forward to talking to you again about some of those other things in some upcoming episodes. And so now I just want to uh, summarize again, the Eating Disorder Caregiver Coaching Group is a virtual eight-week session, uh, eight-session group that is online for parents or caregivers of youth, adolescents, and young individuals, young adults living with an eating disorder or who have, or who have a disordered eating pattern. This group is offered completely online and is offered to anyone within Canada and the United States. The group aims to provide support and education to caregivers to help increase practical understanding of eating disorders and disordered eating to truly understand what is going on for their loved one, as well as provide strategies and skills to help you manage daily struggles and help your loved one towards recovery. The coaching group was created from a foundation based from family-based treatment, which is known as the Maudsley Approach a well-known and effective treatment approach for youth and their families who are struggling with an eating disorder. To learn more, you can check out my website at julieclark.com, and that's Clark with an E, and you'll see a link to the right-hand side eating disorder coaching group with some more information, or email eatingdisordercoaching at gmail.com. And please note this podcast is intended to provide information only and is not intended to substitute healthcare advice or treatment from your healthcare provider. If you are concerned about yourself or a loved one who is struggling with a mental illness, please reach out and talk to someone. Bye for now.